Well, welcome to Parallel Church. My name is Tim, this is my beautiful wife, and we get the honor of hosting and speaking to you. Today, you guys can be seated. We are going into a brand new series called Parenting It Takes a Village. We wanna say hello to all of our online viewers, wherever you're watching from, whether it be your couch or your campsite. May long weekend, come on. How many of you guys came in from the campsite just for church? Okay, okay. Nobody wants to admit it, right? Because then they're like, oh wait, there's no showers at campsites and I'm sitting next to you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's something incredibly powerful about a community. And when we say it takes a village, that statement comes from an old African proverb where it says it takes a village to raise a child. And as parents in here, or if you were a kid at one point, you can probably look back on your life and be like, there was a lot more people involved in my life that helped get me to where I needed to be that weren't my parents. It was families that came alongside. It was families that decided to enter the sphere of your life and be like, we're gonna help you. We're gonna help you get there. How many of you guys can raise your hand and be like, yeah, I can recognize there was people throughout my life. Yeah. So today, while Jen and I talk about parenting, our hope is that that you would be encouraged, number one, parents that are in the room right now, that you would be reminded that God, out of everybody that God could have chose, He chose you to raise your kids. As flawed and as broken as you may find yourself and frustrated at times is that you're still the person that God chose. And secondly, is that our hope in this series is that we would understand the value of community and that we would see beyond just our house and our neighborhood, but we would be like, man, what, is, what did God intend for communities and why is it so important? So follow along with us in that. And uh, we wanna start off with like a little bit of our story and where we came from and how we got here. Yeah, so 12 years ago, we actually, we moved here from Penticton, BC, which is a little town in the Okanagan. And most people are like, you moved Why here from Penticton. Why did you do that? Um, we were in a different season of our life. We were developing our own vision for our family. We were feeling called to full-time ministry and we were feeling called to explore a new village. Let's put it that way. And we were, we were in a process of prayer and seeking God on it. And we really felt like the season had come for us to move. And we decided to move here to Lethbridge, Alberta. We came here on Easter weekend. 12 years ago mm -hmm. with our three-year-old daughter Madison um, it takes a lot to change a village and yeah. if any of you guys have ever moved you guys know what it is like to experience culture shock um, maybe not but some of you guys maybe can relate to that um, we came from a small community to this community we were involved in ministry but our life was changing seasons and it was just it was a different time for us but coming here the importance of community and the people that brought us into their homes. When we first got here, we were invited to come to Easter dinner at someone's house. Yeah. People helped us move. People helped us go find like beds off of Kijiji because we came here with a moving truck and like nothing really. And it was the community here that really rooted us in and got us established in this house and in this community and really invested in us in that season to get us to where we are today. Yeah. Yeah, and I came across a really interesting statistic. Uh, it says this, in the fourth quarter of 2022, Stats Canada released that only 45% of Canadians feel a strong sense of belonging to their local communities and a significant increase of feelings of isolation in age groups 18 to 29. Well, if you look at that age group, well, that's, that's the young family age group. That's where parenting is just starting out and you're trying to navigate what it's like to be a parent. And um, it's kind of terrifying that being a new parent, that's 
in, in our country, that's the age group that is isolated the most. And modern parents don't live in villages because when you look at villages, they used to be a natural way to learn from people and help receive uh, extended families and surrounding communities. And now parents often dive alone into one of the most important, one of the most challenging positions of their life, and they have weak access to community and support. And when we look at where we are in life, we all end up in a village somewhere. I'm in a village, you're in a village, and the difference is that we're either in that village by design or by default. Some of us hate our village, but we haven't made any efforts to change it or get out of it. Some of us love our village, and we're there because we intentionally decided that that's where we're going. That's what we want our family to be about. So um, I think each village has its own set of challenges, and we're just going to run through a couple of them. The first one being every village has its own style of leadership. Spiritual leadership, let's talk about this just in the home sense or a community sense. Spiritual leadership, how you serve one another, how um, teaching our kids to manage their responsibilities, servant leadership, that kind of thing. Every, have you, do, you get, do you remember being a kid and going and sleeping over at your friend's house and how messed up that family was? <laughs> like, we are the odd ones on the block because our kids, like, we, we like an early bedtime. We're not old, <laughs> but we're not young. <laughs> And like our kids, our neighbors will be knocking on our door at 7.30 wanting to play with our kids. And they're like, is Grace going to be able to play? I'm like, he's in bed, dude. <laughs> like we're shut down. <laughs> um, and I think about just being a kid and remember going to like my friend's houses. I, I, I'd watch their dinner routines and how like everyone just uses their hands right in the bowl. And I'm like, you don't have like those tongs? <laughs> like, <laughs> or not. Um, and you could probably think of moments like that as well, but every, every home has its own style of leadership, and it was the scariest thing as a kid, having to sleep a night in a home with like a different style of leadership than what you're used to, but you look on a broader spectrum of that, every village has its own style of leadership as well, and there was many things that we needed to get accustomed to when we came into this village, into this community. Yeah, I think it's super important for us to own our role in our household. Um, your kids were given to you by design. Yeah. And God knew what he was doing. Like the song that we sung for Mother's Day that everyone wept like a million tears about. <laughs> so God knew what he was doing when he like made you the parents in your household. He yeah. specifically designed this. And all throughout the Bible, you see how God works through families and generations and generation to generation. And it wasn't a mistake that he placed you as a family unit. And I think it's important that in our own in our own walks that we build our own spiritual health as well because you can't have healthy kids without healthy parents yeah. and healthy families come out of that and so when you're looking at the intentionality you're putting into your own spiritual development we just came out of the series the table and learned so many amazing things about what it is to be a spiritual father and there's many times in our life where we've had to look for mentors in different areas of our life we were very intentional coming out of our different backgrounds my family didn't grow up in the church his family very much grew up in the church and we were trying to create a new picture and we didn't really have a good model for what that picture should look like so if you're in a place where you're like i need a healthy picture for my family, it might be good to find people that you can put in your circles who can help you develop that picture so you know what it is you're trying to build. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. My name's Tim, what are you doing after church? <laughs> Stick around, you can watch me stack chairs. <laughs> These muscles don't grow on their own, people. <laughs> Young adult men in here, stack chairs. That's how villages begin. Okay. Um, <laughs> Side note. <laughs> Side note. Its own vision. 
Every village has its own vision. I wonder if you can see what is special about your home. Or if you've gotten to the point where you're so familiar with your schedule and the routine that you just, you walk in, you eat, you sleep, you walk out, and you've missed the beautiful uniqueness of your home. Every home has its own smell. Some good, some not great. But what is, what is special about your home? Parents, even kids in the room, I'm asking you, what, can you see what is special about your household? The way that you talk to one another. I, I, I have friends, I've been to their houses and I watch the communication that happens in that home and I'm like, I can tell they're intentional about how they talk to each other or they're unintentional about how they talk to each other. So I wonder if you could see the vision of your family. Yeah, and it's kind of like at Christmas time. I don't know if you guys are like us, like it's the one time a year maybe that we pull out a puzzle. Um, maybe more than that, but usually it's at Christmas time. We have our Christmas puzzles that we do as a family. And usually mom and dad's job is to build the borders. We build the framework. We do groupings of puzzle pieces. So like you're building the dog over here and someone else is like building the presents. But the kids aren't really great necessarily of discovering those groupings or building the framework. So mom and dad's job is usually to build the framework, but just like how mom and dad would usually build the framework, your kids are gonna to have to take those pieces and build their life. And so when you're developing a vision for your house, it helps one, having a picture. And then two, it's our job to help build the structure and the framework to help them be successful. And they may not necessarily attribute it to that later on in life, but there's things that you pick up. There's things you pick up from your families and your parents. And those values that you develop in your household are gonna end up being, like, being the culture of your home. So those things are so important that you're intentionally building out those pieces and putting it together. Absolutely. So we've gone over leadership. Your house has its own vision, its own values. And finally, it has its own systems. We've uh, incorporated what we've been talking about in the last series with Rhythms of Grace and the whole Tech Sabbath thing, and it is hard. <laughs> it's a hard thing to do. But we've tried it the last month, and we have seen so much fruit out of it in the sense that, like, I'm telling myself, don't you dare pick up that phone. You have to model this, yep. or they're not going to. Like, don't you dare, and they hide it in the drawer where you lock it and just go ahead. But in watching and bringing the kids along that is we're seeing a whole, whole bunch more fruit in their relationship, in the time spent together. You heard a statistic recently that was a little scary as well. Yeah, in recent statistics, it was saying that um, parents spend less than five hours a week face-to-face -face with their kids. So five hours a week is not a lot of time when you're trying to intentionally invest in and grow your children and create these value systems and help them develop into the people that God's calling them to be. So we have to be super intentional about that. We have to be intentional with our calendars. Like I'll be the first one to admit that I have like time management problems. <laughs> There's only 24 hours in a day and like I'm gonna try to use them. And I say like, I really like, I love the verse where it's God like or the sun stands still. Cause that's how I, I feel about my day to day life a lot of the time. And a lot of the time the calendar really does run your world, but you have to be intentional about making sure that when you're carving out time as a family, if you say that one of your values as a family is to spend time together, it does need to show up in the calendar. Um, I used to not be a calendar person, 
And I don't know if that was better or worse, but I do remember that you would, you would believe a certain thing. So I would believe that we were being intentional about our family time. I would believe that we were being intentional about date night. Yeah. I would believe that we're intentional about taking our kids out on those daddy-daughter dates or mom-son dates. But ultimately, it would be a month that would go by where we didn't actually do that. And in my mind, I'm still believing that that's happening. <laughs> so you need, the proof is actually in the calendar and numbers don't lie. So if you can go through your calendar and articulate where you wanna spend that time and that your values and your time are reflected in your calendar, you're gonna set yourself up for success. Yeah, I would even go to say, if it's not on the calendar, it's not important. Exactly, yeah. Like it's not a priority. It doesn't mean that sometimes it gets missed or it doesn't happen, but like, being aware of it and bringing awareness to the fact that you're trying to be protective of that and being diligent to cut out those things that aren't in alignment with it. Maybe you're finding that you have some friends or people in your village who are taking up a lot of time. Maybe they're coming over, maybe they're coming for coffee, but it's not even a fruitful conversation sometimes. And that's actually taking times away from the things that you value the most. So sometimes you have to be ruthless. Sometimes you have to define who it is that is in your village yeah. and be very aware of who it is that you're letting into those spaces in your life. Talking about that, we've recognized that. I, I think it would be beneficial, you can take this as you will, but I think it's beneficial for everybody to have three main people in your village. And that first person, I would say, is a pastor. Not because you can't develop your faith on your own, but faith and believing your entire life in something that you can't see takes other people coming alongside you to be like, I see that in you. I see that for you. Um, this is like, and, and bringing scripture into a very open space for you to be able to come alongside people. Like, I don't know where we would be honestly without the pastors in our lives. True, yeah. And I look back on where, where we were before we decided that those were important people to put in our sphere. And it kind of scares me to that point. We just need someone, you look at anybody influential, um, like throughout scripture, they always had somebody above them that was leading them, guiding them, speaking into them, speaking for them in, in certain situations. Guys, um, don't ever underestimate the value of having spiritual oversight in your home or in your life. Yeah. And we were very fortunate. So pastors, Joylin and Kelly spent a lot, we spent years with them and as a family. We've gone on vacations together. We've been very close and we've been able to see how they have parent and modeled it well. And there's been so many things that we've been able to learn from them in that process that like, we didn't have modeled in our own homes. And so it does take that other mother and father to come alongside sometimes and be like, this is how it can be, and this can work, and it can be honoring, yeah. and it can be exciting, and you can go to bed at nine o'clock, and that's okay. <laughs> in that, you need someone to watch over your soul. What's your soul, yeah. your mind, your will, your emotions? So having that person in your life, it's like when Jesus came and saw the crowds and he said they were like sheep without a shepherd, it's the exact same thing. It's just having that, that person, it's just like, like help, help me wisely shepherd my, my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. Uh, the second person we need, I think, is a mentor. Somebody who we, number one, respect. Number two, um, can hold us accountable for the goals that we're after in our life. Going after a goal alone is really difficult. Really difficult. And at the first sign of it not working, you'll back out and you'll, you'll, you'll walk away because it's easier to quit than it is to pursue. So find somebody who's gone further than you in an area that you want to develop and bring them into your sphere and be like, hey, would you just mentor me for a little bit? Because I need someone to hold me accountable to this. And then third person we all need is a friend. 
What I love about Parallel Church is that we are not just a friendly church. We are a church where people make friends. This is a community where relationships are spurring up every single Sunday, and then it's, it's expanding out, and we're becoming a support system for each other. Guys, that's what a village is. Different stages of life often require different stages for life. So taking Jesus' example, as a child, he had a neighborhood in Nazareth, but as an adult, it looked very much different for him. He needed to leave. He needed to get out and discover the greater things that God had for him. In Matthew 13, we see um, when Jesus was back in Nazareth and as an adult, it says, how is this possible? The people exclaimed. He's just a carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, they all live here. How can he be so great? And they became angry with him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except his own country and among his own people. And so he did only a few great miracles there because of their unbelief. And when I think back on mine and Jen's life and where we grew up in that community, like we go back and visit it for a vacation every now and then, but it is not a place I want to stay. I, 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 there's just something different about getting outside the familiarity of where you were developed and getting into a new arena to allow that skill to so awesome, yeah. And the challenge with that is also, like, this is the other importance about having a mentor, someone to bounce these things off of, because you, if you uproot yourself too early or too soon, you Good. could rob yourself of yeah. some learning opportunities that God has for you. Not everything that we're in that's difficult is because of, um, like, a toxic environment and those things. There are things that God's developing in your character, and there's things that, like, you do need to walk through, and it's painful sometimes and challenging but if you uproot yourself too soon in that process, then it could be a detriment to your, to your spiritual health, to your maturity levels, to the things that God's trying to work out through your system. But I do think one of the things, even just bouncing back to the friend, the friend thing, is that John Maxwell says that you're going to end up like the five people you hang around with, right? And we have a teenager. Friends are really important. Yeah. The people that you hang around and the people that matter and are in those close circles really do make a difference. So making sure that you do bring people into that space, that one should be there. We talked about boundaries a few series back. Just make sure that the people that are there that are healthy and are going to help you grow into the person that you want to become. If you're looking around you and you don't want to be like the five people closest to you, it might be a good time to be like, we maybe need to look at our village and make some adjustments. Yeah. But even talking about, so the Matthew verse and going back to your hometown, a lot of people can physically not be in their hometown, but mentally and emotionally are still trapped in their hometown. That's good. Those words that were spoken over you as a child, if there was things that were in your environment that were negative, or maybe you're still carrying on with those things, those things leak into your parenting. So there's things that if someone's ever like, I don't know if I, there might be people in here who this is a compliment, but for most people, it's like you don't want to turn out like your parents. And it's like, oh, you sound just like your mom. Or, oh, you sound just like your dad. And I think it's some of those, sometimes that's a great thing. And in other times, that makes you like, like that stings when someone says that to you because there's things in, in their parenting that you didn't like. Yeah. And there's things that you, don't, you wouldn't want to replicate into your, own, into your own kids and into your own home. So being super intentional about even though you might not be physically in your hometown, mentally and emotionally, there might be things that are, are still in that place. I find it absolutely interesting that like we moved to Lethbridge and we didn't know what was waiting here or what could be developed here. But there are people that have lived their entire lives in this city and look at it and they're like, there's no hope for this town. It's Come true, on. Though. We still hear that. We still hear that. Mm -hmm. And we come in, we're just like, there's, there's hope. <laughs> like, 
let's, let's turn it around. But you get so familiar with your environment that you stop being able to contribute and be like, you've canceled it out of being able to progress in your own mind. So for us coming in here, it's like, oh my gosh, like, let's, let's go. Let's go, church, church. <laughs> Anyways. Maybe you don't have a healthy village and it's toxic and maybe you're so familiar with your village that you can't see the miracles that God is doing right now. You come to church your entire life, but you can't see the miracles that he's working in family, in family, in ministry, in department, through my city care, whatever it may be. Like you're just so inundated with familiarity that nothing new can shock you anymore. And people, we say this all the time, but people can be in our circle, but not everybody has to be in your inner circle. So you're in my sphere, but I'm, I'm gonna set like an access point of how far you can come in because once you pass that line, you're starting to affect. And people are only in your life at the level that you give them access to. And I, church, I believe that God is sending, I don't know who this is for, I believe that God is sending people in. He's knocking at your door, but you're not willing to let them in and evict the people that have overstayed their welcome in your life. There is God, there's people that God is sending, like sitting around you, probably in this church, that God is lining up to be your next stage for your family to help and support you, but you're not getting rid of the negativity that's brought you to where you are. I don't know who that's for. Paul states in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, that bad company corrupts good character. So a proximity to toxicity is going to equal collateral damage. And what we recognize as parents, it's funny because we will set all the restrictions online of what our kids can and cannot watch, but then we'll let somebody walk right through our front door and sit at our kitchen table that's toxic and not, a, not realize that it's affecting our kids in the way. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> oh, man. I think one of the things that we've learned the most is a refinement of the culture of the home that we want to create. Yeah. And so we've learned a lot of tools over the years. We've learned that our vision for our family is unique. Your vision for your family is going to be unique. Maybe you're a sports family. Maybe your values are in the arts or in music or all sorts of different things, right? Like it's going to be different for each of you in developing that, but how you live out of that is so important. How you raise your kids, the intentionality put into them. Like we still pray over our kids at bedtime. We like are very intentional about creating moments in those day-to-day -day activities. So on the drive to and from school, um, how we can do the best job that we can in the short time that we have, because it is true, the days are long and the seasons are short. You only have a certain amount of time where they're with you, face to face with you. And ultimately, everyone's always asking the question of like, how do you know if you get it right? And that's only gonna be able to be answered when you have a clear vision for your family. Um, Andy Stanley in his book on parenting was talking about you begin with the end in mind. Yeah. So for us and for them, we wanna create a home that kids are gonna to wanna to come back to when they're an adult. They wanna come back and visit. They have motivation to come back and visit. And I think one of the things that we've been very conscientious of is what we allow, because culture is what you allow, but it's also like the intentionality that goes into those little pieces that make up your day yeah. and the little pieces that make up your year and those little pieces that make up uh, the people that they're becoming and how we steward, steward that well. Yeah, and in order to have effect, like effective villages, we need effective citizens. And let's have a hard look at what we're investing into our kids so that they are contributing citizens to the community that we're trying to build. Like what Jen was just saying there, like we, 
your family values may be different. You may be a sports family. For us, we don't have a trophy case of awards for our kids, and it's not because that's not what, what we don't value. It's just our family values are we want our kids to know what it means to serve in their community and be contributing members. And so our, our, we have a photo book full of our family serving together instead of like a trophy case full of awards, which isn't wrong or right, it's just different values. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, children are not a distraction from the important work. They are the most important work. And what's happening with your kids in that room right next over there, that is not babysitting. That is preparing the next church. The church, actually. For, and if that doesn't work in there, it's not going to work in here because we're developing them to be able to get to this stage and then go out and serve their communities. Like, they are the most important work. I heard someone say this, it's not what we leave to our kids that makes them great, it's what we leave in our kids that makes them great. So I've heard, like we have friends who are, who are very well off and they're like, oh, I'm just like, got that, I don't know, whatever. They're investing materialistic things and waiting like, to give their kids materialistic things, which I don't think is wrong, but we can't underestimate the value of what it means to impart the right things into our kids. So it's not what we leave to them, it's what we live in them. So if we focus too much on what we leave to them, we're going to send them out into the world. They're going to run through the resources and not know how to navigate life or their faith. If we leave more in them than what we leave to them, we can be confident that out in the world, they're going to know their faith, they're going to know who they are, and they're going to know what they're capable of. And they're going to be able to act on that. And act on that. Yeah. yeah. In Acts 2.45, it says, And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone would have a need. I love our vision here at Parallel Church. Yeah. We get to come alongside our community in so many amazing ways. We were designed for relationships. When you go out into the lobby, we have a big banner in the lobby that says that we're building authentic relationships. And that's one of our core values, not just in our house at home, but in our house as the church. And that's something that we constantly are living out. Like you guys on the day-to-day -day basis are impacting thousands of lives, not even hundreds of lives, thousands yeah. of lives in the communities that we're a part of. And even beyond that, we're serving, I don't even, I don't even have the current number of how many communities, I think it's like 62 uh, communities that we're serving right now through the work and the values and the passion and the vision that comes out of this house. Yeah. And so when we're looking at the intentionality of building a village, you guys are a part of an amazing village and I couldn't be prouder. I'm like, I'm so excited about the vision of where Parallel Churches is and is going and what we're creating. And I think one of the things is you might, you might not know necessarily who your village is. You might be developing it. You might be moving from it. You might be coming to a new village. But you're in a process that God's taking you through. And just be aware and allow yourself to go through the process of if God's ministering to you about something, maybe you do need a mentor. Maybe you do need to make some new friends. Maybe you do need to make some adjustments in your time to help you parent more effectively or to utilize your time more effectively. But make sure that one, your values are in alignment with that, and two, it shows up on your calendar, because that's super important. And then three, develop and work to continually refine and develop the vision for your family and your house. And I think you'll probably find that a lot of those values are connected to even just what you see here, right? You're, we're about building relationships and community, and you need to be in community. That's why we do connect groups. It's so important to be around people that have similar values. And I think when our kids grow up and they get out of youth group, 
we want them to connect to a local church. It may not be this church, it could be any church, but when they go to university somewhere, you want them to be like, this was so, this provided so much value in our life Support. that we yeah. need to have this wherever we go. And those are the things that are gonna stick in the long run. Would you guys be willing to give up what you know for what God sees for your family? Would you have the courage to off-ramp the people or systems that are hindering your family in order to onboard who you need for your next phase of life? Imagine for a moment what we could do as a community or a village if we came to each other and said, how can I be a part of your village? I know, it's a daring question. And it's kind of invasive, I get it. But what if our conversations were less about, man, the weather's really nice today, absolutely is. And we were out on the patio after church and we're searching because we have either have resources or we're open to a change in our life. And we're having conversations about how can I be a part of your village? How can I support your family? How can I come alongside your kids? How can I be a part of your village? Because if church is superficial, we're gonna get the least amount out of it. But man, if we go deep with our relationships, guys, if we invest in that time with one another, like that's where the power of the community really is. What if we were as Parallel Church not known for our engaging services, but we were most known for how we engage in service to one another? It's like, man, that church over there, that church over there, they, they had a family that was in need. They had a family that lost their house in a fire and that whole church came together and went over and replaced everything they lost in that house except for the stuff that couldn't be replaced. What if, our, what if we were known for the church that just came together when there was a need? You know what? I get excited about this. So in Psalm 133, David writes about how the dew of Haran fell on Mount Zion and it's, like when you look at those two mountains, they are completely in different opposite areas. Like they're not, they can, they're not even connected to each other. But what David is talking about, the impossibility of God or the, the possibility of God doing impossible things. So just because the dew fell in Haran, it landed on Zion. Like God is the God of the impossible. And when we collectively come together as one unit and the, like the faith and the resources, guys, that is the church and the impossible is not impossible anymore. So I'm gonna get excited about that. This is, which, tells, which, which means that if you're sitting in here today and you're like, I don't know if I'm a part of this village, I don't know if I fit into this village, let me just tell you that you're sitting in a collective of people that can help make a way where right now you may not see there is a way. Come on. Our takeaway today is this, strong communities take strong families. And strong families take strong communities. So if we're gonna be a strong community, man, we need to, we gotta hit home. It starts in our homes. Can you see what's special about your home? And then can you build on that? And remind you that when you're raising kids, you are not just raising children. You are raising future parents. You are raising future grandparents that are sowing into the lineage of your family. And when you look throughout scripture, like we hear about Joseph, we hear about David, we hear about these Rembrandts that God selected out of their families to carry the faith forward, to do incredible things. You may be sitting here to be like, I come from a family of misfits, like we don't, we don't even belong near church. Let me tell you that God is saving Rembrandts in this room right now for the future of the church. 
You may not recognize it right now. You may be sitting here. This is your fourth service. And can I encourage you to keep coming because God wants to do something significantly through families. And I just get excited of the fact that there's somebody sitting in this congregation right now who could be the future church leader of tomorrow. And the only way we discover that, guys, is through relationship. Engage, share with one another, talk with one another. Let's not be a superficial community because there's so much gold under the relationship that can be built here. Don't walk out without a number. Don't walk out without a name. This is church. Amen. If you're a parent in here and you've been hitting your head against the wall, you're like, I don't understand this breed of generation that I'm trying to raise. I don't understand what I'm doing as a parent. Can I just, can I just say that none of us have it all together? Number one. But number two is that you're not alone in this. And it starts with understanding that you're a child of God, that you are valued, that you have above and beyond everything that you need to do the job that God's asked you to do. And with that, if you're in this room right now and you don't have a relationship like with God, it just, it starts there. How can you model faith if you don't even, if you don't even believe it yourself for your kids? Or if you're about to be a parent and you know you want to have kids, man, today's a really great start to start a relationship with God. The church is the hope of the world. It really is. And if you're in this room right now, would you just pray with me as I pray for all the parents in here right now? God, we just thank you so much that you are saving Rembrandts from family, God. We thank you that you are using prayers from people long ago to protect and shelter the ones that you're bringing up in the faith, God, for the church to move forward. I pray for every parent in this room right now that you would give them the, the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. I thank you, God, that you're giving them the boldness to lead their family spiritually, relationally, developing creative ideas so that the culture of the home is a place where kids can not just survive, but thrive. We thank you, God. That family was your idea, community was your idea. God, let us be effective at it in Jesus' name, amen. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus in this room today, today's a really great day to start. It says in scripture that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that you can have a relationship with Jesus, that he died on the cross and rose again, that you can be saved. And it means more than just attending a church. Honestly, you could say the prayer in here and then go out and live your life. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. So if you're in this room today and you wanna say that prayer, would you pray along with me? Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you chose me. I thank you that you see me. And I'm asking you right now, God, to come into my heart, come into my life, be Lord of my life, my savior and my friend. I thank you that my past is past and that I can begin a new life with you today, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, would you be bold enough to raise your hand and be like, today's the day I'm starting my faith relationship with Jesus. Today's the day, thank you. Today's the day I want to start setting the foundations for my future and my family's future. 
I'm gonna look around the room one more time. Anybody else? Thank you. So good. Isn't our God amazing? Come on, guys.